Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Over the last few years, this scripture has been one that God's had on my heart and has been challenging me in. In fact, uh, it's been such a theme in my life that I wrote a song about it. And today is also the title of the message, Let Go. So it's awesome to be with you today. Uh, I don't want you to get confused with that song that my daughter has been singing for like seven plus years that will get in your head and stick in your head forever. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to ruin your day. So (laughs) if you're a guest with us today uh, or if you're watching online for the first time, my name is Scott England. I am the creative arts pastor here. And um, it's kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to probably need some help because this is my first time ever speaking up here on a Sunday. So I'm going to need some amens, some, some glory to God, and some hallelujahs. But uh, I know you got there are a few Pentecostals out here, so I'm watching you. I'm going to make sure you're not getting too crazy out there. But uh, also, in case you're wondering, this is good news today. Um, I actually made a deal with Pastor Scott that if I was going to be speaking this Sunday, he was going to be leading worship next Sunday. So you're going to make sure to come back. If you're watching online, this is going to be an amazing week next week, for sure. Yeah, that's a joke. Um, seriously, though, I am super crazy humbled to be able to speak today. And when Pastor Scott asked me to share my story, we've been talking about this for a while, um, and share my story of how I came to know Jesus and what he did in my life, and then also kind of extrapolate the scripture, Psalm 46, and um, be able to share 
what God has been doing as well. So before we jump into the psalm, I just wanted to share uh, a really funny story of what happened to my wife and I when we were younger. We took a trip to Gatlinburg with our youth group, and uh, this was a Winterfest event, and we had this brilliant idea that we were going to try out bungee jumping for the first time. How many of you guys have actually done bungee jumping? All three of you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ryan was cracking me up, and we've known each other most of our lives, even at that point. Uh, but we learned that day that she had a fear of heights. And uh, she's up there. It was so funny. She kept saying, I think you're going to have to push me. I think you're going to have to push me. And I was thinking, is she actually going to do this? I'm not sure if she will. I mean, we were putting our trust in this suspended, glorified rubber band. Seriously. And she makes her way off to the edge, and she's kind of scooting her way over there, and she's just like, ah. And finally, she just kind of scoots off and plops down, and she's screaming the whole way down. It was amazing. I was laughing, watching her, and then I started getting nervous, and I decided, man, if I'm going to make this happen, I'm just going to have to go for it. I'm going to have to just step back, take a run head first, and dive as fast as I can. And so I did, and I died. <laughs> just kidding. I'm still alive, obviously. But seriously... Think of all the things that we put our trust in every day. We've got these giant rubber bands. We've got cars. We've got airplanes. Even the chair you're sitting in today, we're putting our trust and our faith in that. I'm, I, don't, I didn't see anybody kind of come in, look around, decide if they were going to sit down in it or not. We do that. We put our, put our trust in so many different things every single day. So why do we have such a hard time fully trusting and letting go? Trusting our lives in the hands of the God that created us. If you haven't already, go ahead and open up your Bible to Psalm 46. You have some there in the seats underneath you as well if you need one. But this psalm opens up with the performance instructions to the sons of Korah, the most skillful musicians in Israel, on how this song or psalm was to be performed in worship. And these instructions suggested that this particular psalm carried enormous meaning and held a place of extreme significance in the time that it was written. So it's no surprise that this scripture is just as relevant and significant today. And where 2020 was one of the most difficult years in history, many of us lost jobs, family businesses, and loved ones. Some of us lost our minds, some figuratively and literally. <laughs> some lost friendships. Some were unfriended, and some were canceled. Not sure about that culture thing going on. I think one of the most sobering and unsettling realities of loss in 2020 has been the loss of control. We continually fight and grip tightly the need to be in control of our own lives, our situations, and often in control of others. Meanwhile, the threats of the Delta variant and unstoppable and unstable political climate and culture, these wars, these culture wars are continuing to leave us in just an insecure, fearful, and anxious place. So let's dive in and see what the scripture has to say about it. I love how this psalm begins. It, it talks about, it's like this bookend of God's hope and his refuge. And verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. He is always there. He is ever-present 
We just have to choose to acknowledge him and acknowledge that he's with us. And I'm going to fly through these, so there's a lot of scriptures on the screen right now. But verse 2 says this. Uh, it talks about how there's an earth-shaking time of devastating proportions. Verse 6, the nations are making an uproar. Verse 9, it's a time where when God intervenes, he will break their chariots, break their bows, cut their spears into, and this is in the midst of this very threatening situation. And then in verse 10, God becomes a speaker now, not the psalmist. I want to settle in here for a few minutes, and this is where we're going to spend a bulk of our time discussing uh, what this concept actually looks like to be still and know. This is a pretty popular scripture. A lot of you guys probably have seen this everywhere, all over social. Some of you have it on your walls at home, and you probably know a lot about what this means. But I wanted to just extrapolate some of it today. That phrase, be still, actually uses a Hebrew term, which means to cease striving, to stop, to let go, to loosen your grip. It implies an act of surrender, trust, and submission, a release of striving and hostility. See, be still doesn't mean that you just sit on your hands and you do nothing. In fact, it's the opposite. This is an imperative verb, be still, and an imperative verb, to know. And I think about it like a train going down these parallel rails, right? On one side, you stop, you cease striving, you let go, you give control to the Lord. And on the other side, on this rail, you're reading, you're praying, you're submitting your life, you're coming before the Lord, and you're walking with Him every day in this living, breathing relationship. He is always with us. So in this scripture, we see the people are pacing, they're wringing their hands, they're clenching their fists, and worrying. Sounds familiar? They need to settle down and stay calm. And God is saying, I've got it all under control. Just trust me and follow my lead. So stop worrying, stop stressing, stop trying to take matters into your own hands. Stop trying to be our own savior. Stop looking at yourself and trusting in your own devices. Stop trying to be your own God. We've seen this since the fall of man. We're God's creations. The one who created the universe and slung the stars in the sky commands all things. I'm not God. You're not God. He alone is God. We are never meant to be God, but we were meant to be with God. Here and on the other side of eternity. So I want to ask a question. When was the last time that you lost your notes in the middle of a sermon? <laughs> oh, Lord. So I know this one by heart, right? Here it comes. You can do it. Scott's like, that's why I take screenshots of everything, brother. <laughs> uh, when was the last time when you had something major going on in your life that you went straight to God? I mean, seriously, we, we go to our best friends. 
We go to our spouses. We go to our growth groups, our mom or our dad. And these are all super healthy options. But when was the last time that you went to God first? Our ever-present help in times of trouble, in times of need. God is saying, just stop, let go, and trust me. I found this thought-provoking quote somewhere online. Uh, It's actually from S.J. Lawson, but I wanted it to be on the screen so you could see it. Though we believe in the existence of God, when we worry, we act as practical atheists. We act as if there is no God in heaven or upon his throne. When we fail to trust God, we are acting as Lord ourselves, assuming control of our own lives. We put ourselves on the throne. We live the elusive falsehood that we are our own lords in this insta-perfect kingdom. Of course, we'd never admit that or say it out loud, especially. We need to stop and act like God is on the throne. We need to stop acting like he's no longer on the throne. Because as corny as it might sound, in our lives, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. James 4.13, I love this scripture. This is a, a challenging one for me. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Ooh, it's a tough one. I don't know about you guys, but... I've been plenty guilty of making my own plans. Trusting in myself even for the outcome. And we need to learn to trust God. Another great quote says, I know that spiritual dullness often results from my treating God like a pigeon in the park to whom I leisurely throw the crumbs of my leftover devotion after a long day of caring about other things. In such seasons, God allows my joylessness to snap me out of treating him like a hobby, to learn afresh, to seek his face as if he was, well, God. It's a staff writer from Desiring God. Maybe this is a season of pruning. I know I feel like it is for me. Maybe it's a season of reminding us that God is not an accessory to our life. He is our life. He is Lord, and He won't stand to be our accessory. So we've read verse 10, be still or let go. And then he follows up with, and know that I am God. He's not playing here. I am God. He says, we need to know not just in your head, but in your heart. We need to know in the depths of our soul, experientially and personally. We need to know in everything what it means to really know God and be known by Him. We need to know that He is on the throne and has everything in control. He knows our circumstances and everything we're up against. 
I came to know God while up against one of the most difficult circumstances of my life, and I wanted to share that story with you. Uh, but before I did, I wanted you to see this really cool picture. Uh, this is me as a teenager. In case you didn't know, I played for the Braves, and uh, that's how we got so super rich and stuff. Um, in case you didn't know, that 97 forerunner out there is killing it. Um, I was a typical rebellious teenager, and there were a lot of things that I did in my life that I'm not proud of to this day. Um, like many of you, I'm sure you can relate to that. And there were some kids that used to tell me about Jesus and how everything I was living for was for myself and that I would never find true joy or happiness or peace unless I gave my life and trusted my life in the hands of Jesus Christ. And I used to laugh at them. I cussed at some of them. I made fun of a lot of them. I knew or thought I knew that I had control. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I really didn't know what it looked like to read a Bible or to pray or to sing songs to God, what it looked like to be a Christian at all. I had a great home. I had a great family, great parents. I had everything that I could ever need or want, but I didn't have Jesus. One night I was out with a friend, and her aunt was going to take us home. It was way past curfew, and she was our only ride. She had fallen asleep to a bottle of sleeping pills and a bottle of Jack Daniels. And we finally got her up and, and in the car, and this is before cell phones, so there was not even a house phone there. For some reason, she didn't have a house phone. And we're driving down the road, and she pulls right out in front of a car. T-bones us, hits me right where I'm sitting, throws my friend to the back, and our car's spinning, and, and it lands up against this telephone pole. And as I laid there, coming in and out of consciousness, wondering what tomorrow was going to bring, the jaws of life took me out of the car and took me to the hospital. And I laid in the hospital bed in the most horrendous pain and the most loneliness that I've ever experienced. I wondered what tomorrow was going to bring, and I heard the doctor saying that he's lucky to be alive and that I had multiple injuries because my pelvis was broken in several places and that these injury, injuries were probably going to be sustained long-term results, one of which that I I'm, I'm, would probably never be able to have biological children of my own. And I laid there thinking about those kids that used to tell me about Jesus. In my desperation, I cried out to God for the first time in my life. And I said, God, Jesus, in this awkward way, if you are real, I need you. There was no sinner's prayer as we know it. There was no special person leading me through anything. I just cried out to God in the moment of my desperation, acknowledging my need for a Savior. And he came and he filled my room. It was like a warm blanket, this immense peace that I'd never experienced in my life. I had tingles. I seriously, I was like tingling about the presence of God in my life. I'd never felt anything like this before. And I had peace for the first time. And even for a moment, my pain was gone. And in an instant, I knew that I had been changed by the God of creation and that he knew me and that he loved me 
and he wanted me to know him. The next day was awesome. A youth pastor came into my room, and he came in and he said, Hey, Scott, your car ended up in a telephone pole in my yard of my church. And so I just wanted to come and tell you about Jesus. And I was like, man, let me tell you something. I met him last night. It was the most amazing thing. And I just started rattling off everything that was happening. And I could just see his face. He's like, I gave this guy the good stuff. (laughs) But he started taking me through the scripture. He started walking me through what some of us know as the Romans road. And he explained to me how Jesus came to give his life so that I could know him, so that I could be set free from my sin that's been in my DNA since the beginning. And because of his holiness, he made a way for me to be in his presence, not just here on this side of eternity, but for ever and ever set free. So I quickly realized that this world was just a blink of an eye. And that began my relationship with God. It began my passion for the Word. And I walked out of the hospital a new person. I had the sun shining on my face for the first time in weeks. And I just remember praying a prayer to myself, God, don't ever let me take life for granted again. While I was home with the nurses recovering and learning to walk again, I do remember the Lord prompting me to just keep on seeking after him. He said, trust me, don't worry, give me control of your life. And I had a bunch of tubes connected to me, and while I was awaiting surgery, there were some complications going on, so I had to get rushed into surgery quickly. And as the doctors took the third x-ray, they came out scratching their heads, and they came to my parents, Mr. and Mr. England, I don't know what you believe. I don't know where you are, but these injuries are no longer there. And in 30 years of medicine, we've never seen anything like this. Your son has been healed. Amen. They said it was a miracle. And in that moment, I knew that God healed me. And he had a unique plan for my life. In fact, we have an eight-year-old little girl to prove it. You can see a picture on the screen there. I hope we get to share our infertility story with you sometime. But God's redemptive plan and awakening to let go and know him takes me to some of my earliest favorite scriptures. You guys probably know all these, but I wanted to share them with you because it sets up well the rest of Psalm 46. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This is the NLT. I love the way this reads because it reminds us that God is not a genie in a bottle. It's not about making me prosperous and rich or wealthy or giving me everything that I need, but that we can know God and know that he has a plan for us. We have a purpose that he will supply all of our needs according to his perfect plan. Then Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We always want to carry the burden ourselves. And then in Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I had to put that version in there, NLT, because I wanted it to be really clear. Another version says, acknowledge him in all your ways. And that word acknowledge is actually the same word used in Psalm 4610, to know God. To know and to learn to know. So we can spend an entire Sunday morning extrapolating all of the details of these scriptures, but I really wanted to share them with you, and I hope that they would minister to you and set up this next section as well. So Let's go to Psalm 4610. It says, Let go and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Then he repeats it to enforce it. I will be exalted in the earth. And then closes with the bookends of his comfort. The Almighty God is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's good news. God shows us that even when we try to control our lives, we're not in control at all. In the last year and a half, God has given us an opportunity to stop and to let go. And I believe he is using this season to humble us, to know that we can't control our lives or tomorrow. Maybe we missed this while in isolation, while our routines were being disrupted, but know this, God Almighty wants to meet with you. He wants to abide in you and you in him. He wants to be your fortress and your refuge. We have a loving Father in heaven, Almighty God, the one who decides when our heart beats and whether we'll take our next breath. And he's saying, I'm here for you. I want you, all of you, come as you are. See, it's a big deal to look at him and say, nah, kind of busy right now. Got too many things going on. You know, I'll get with you at the end of the day and say my nightly prayers, maybe for a little while in the morning. This is a moment to examine your life and decide why you might be running aimlessly. He wants you to get back into a deep relationship with him. He wants you to have so much security in him that's not based on how much you perform, how much you make, or how successful you are. He wants you to be so secure in him that you no longer fear because there is true peace when you trust him with your life. See, we don't have to be afraid of what we don't know because of who we do know. So let go and know that he is God. And so as we close this morning, I just wanted to give us an opportunity to stop, to respond. And I'd like for you to join me in a little exercise we're going to do together. So if you just take your hand and hold it up for me. Put your left hand in, put your left hand in. Just kidding. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a fist. Tighten it down. 
tighten your grip. We're all fighting for control of something. In fact, you probably already thought of several things as we've been talking today. So I'd love for you to just close your eyes for a minute. What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you continually fight to control that you need to let go of? I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing these things to you now and has been revealing these things to you. Will you put your trust in the hands of Jesus? Don't let this moment pass you by today. So I'm going to close with a song that I wrote and I hope that it ministers to you as we take a moment to pray and ask the Lord to reveal these areas that you need to let go of. Maybe you want to come down to the altar and pray. And if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, just like I did in the hospital bed that day, Pastor Scott's going to be over here to the cross on my left. He'll be ready to greet you and pray with you and maybe answer any questions that you might have. And if you're watching with us online and you want to make a decision today, there are people there right now that are ready to pray for you. All you have to do is ask. But the altars are going to be open. And it's a time to break free. It's a time to let go. So the altar is open. And as you come, let God lead you. And at any point during this song, when you're ready, open up your hands, loosen your grip, and give control to Jesus. How do you find yourself? 
today. Every single day, we're thankful that your mercies are new every morning. They're new every day. And great is your faithfulness. And so as we go about every day taking up our cross and following you, we release control. We cease striving. We stop and we let go and give you control of our lives. You are Lord of all, and we acknowledge that you are our King. So we're thankful, God. Thank you for the reminder today. Thank you that we do it through your Spirit. Amen. I hope you guys have been encouraged today. Pastor Scott's going to come up and close us out. (laughs) Hey, listen, uh, it has been a phenomenal day in the Lord in this sense. I just want to replay what, what has happened. And we've heard of Scott's story, what Jesus did to bring him to faith in Christ. And we saw five people get baptized into Christ. And we got to worship the King of Kings. So can we just do this? Can we just give thanks and praise to the Lord for how good he is? Man. And I, 
Also, be thankful I am not leading worship next week, okay? So be thankful for that as well. Hey, listen, uh, Scott, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, man, thank you for pointing to Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, man. So, Hey, listen, uh, next week we start a new series called The Lies We Believe. Very excited about the victory we're going to find in Christ by digging into His Word and counting the lies that Satan has believed. So, hey, listen, I, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. And you know what? I will see all of you hopefully next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.